Here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're being disloyal. In fact, forgiveness can mean you still seek justice, whether it's an individual hurt or a big one. Forgiveness really is about your self-love, that I love myself to let go of that energy so that I can be present and use my energy for now and going forward. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world-class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have Dr. Anita Sanchez joining us today, who's a transformational leadership consultant, a speaker, coach, and author. Now, she has taken the stage internationally. She has been able to work with people that are really looking to bridge the latest science to inspire and equip women and men to enjoy meaningful, empowered lives and careers, blending that with indigenous teachings. She is part of the Transformational Leadership Council, which is a place where such luminaries as Jack Canfield, Mary. Marianne Williamson and John Gray for over the last 40 years. She has provided coaching and training to executive and their teams in dozens of Fortune 500 companies. Some of her more recent clients include Excel Energy, Ford Foundation, Earth Rights International, and the National Association of Independent Schools. And she has spoken around the stage. She has been sought after and now her latest book, The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Time, has been awarded and recipient of the best awards for International Latino Book Awards in 2019. We're going to dive deeper about this sense of belonging, the wisdom that comes from her latest books, and what should we be doing in these latest times, especially after 2020, that maybe has made us a little more separate. What are we coming back to? We're going to talk about this and more with Dr. Anita. Welcome to the call. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with people from all over the world. It's wonderful. We do have quite the international audience, which speaking of the whole concept of belonging, it seems like the world is definitely gotten a lot smaller when you think about the distances that are covered with faster travel, access to internet, yet there's some people that might be feeling more isolated than ever. What's your opinion on this kind of dichotomy where technology is supposed to connect us more, yet there's a lot more fragmentation that we also witness in the fringes? Well, I think both are true. And I think just as you said, to be able to hold on to both. And look at this. I'm into more of a positive imbalance. So gratitude that we even have this process. Could you imagine if we didn't have Zoom and all the other platforms? It would be just really horrific. However, now we're at a point where things are shifting in some parts of the world, where COVID is getting under control with the vaccines, and we're starting to open up. And I'm hearing from people in both in organizations and in communities about a little bit of anxiety about that, that reconnecting, and yet at the same time excited about it. So allowing for all those human emotions to be present and give voice to them, and then finding the path forward. That's what we need to do. It's funny because we've been in this situation for long enough that it's almost like we've developed some, what is it, anxiety or awkwardness about reconnecting with people. And there's even a sense of 
we seem more fragile going back into it. We're not too sure. So do you feel like there's going to be a big adjustment period that is necessary? And do you have any tips and advice for people as we go back into the world? What are we to expect? How do we make the best of it without feeling too much of this anxiety? Yeah, we're seeing from polls all over the world, the anxiety about this, but we're also seeing actually a positive at the same time. So you're right, the stress is really high. People are anxious about whether to go back or they want to go back, all of that kind of thing. But also there's a huge expectation because of this time that people have spent, they have much higher regard for their mental well-being. So one of the latest polls that just came out, and it was 10 countries, overwhelmingly 80% of the people said they would leave their current job in this uncertain time. They would leave their current job for another organization who cared about their mental health and well-being. That's a huge change for people just to even give voice to that. So we know that what really is meaningful and important is not just all this stuff. It's us. It's how we are. Are we in alignment and we're healthy? I love it. Now, I know that while we speak about belonging, I was thinking about this research we talked about before the call where this whole sense of not belonging or being more lonely has detrimental effects to our health that science has been able to track. And I feel like this is maybe one of these spaces where science and indigenous wisdom might have a bit of a commonality, at least pointing towards the same direction. What have you noticed in your studies as you talk about the sense of belonging and how important it is? Well, it's the coming together like this of indigenous wisdom that we've known for millennium. I was always taught, be careful of what you say, be careful of what you speak, because once you put it out, it has an impact and you can't take it back. Now you can put out new things, which is great. And what we know is that the stress and anxiety has a cost. So one of the things that we've always taught, and I hear it coming in, whether it's from the research, from heart math, the power we have, just in 14, 16 feet radius, we're already impacting each other's heart rate variability. Anxiety is one of the fastest emotions, but calm is second. So we have the ability to do that. On this with the indigenous that I'm really excited about is I was always taught that each one of us are so powerful that we have the ability to put in alignment, to be good medicine. And good medicine is anything that puts in alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. Bad medicine is anyone or anything that takes that out of alignment. So we're in this time where both science is showing biologically what it is, the impact we have on each other and our chemistry, our hormones, both positive and negative. And these are things that indigenous wisdom keepers from all different traditions have been teaching us for millennia. And it seems like there was a gap where we kind of got disconnected from these wisdom that seemed to come from various different sources in the past. And there seems to have been an escape away from it, or at least it seemed like the science was taking us away from these traditions. And now it's only recently that I feel like the science has brought us back to acknowledging some of the wisdom that came from these ancient traditions. Do you have an idea as to why there would have been such a divergence away from it in the first place? Well, I'm a scientist myself, so I understand the limitations of some of the research, which is dealing only on the physical plane. But what happens is that even on the physical plane, we know we don't separate spirituality, but nonetheless, just looking at that, is there finally is an understanding that everything is intimately interconnected. We know that at the biological level, at the microbe level, and now we're knowing at a larger level. And that shows us that if you're coming from the mindset that we're all separate, which is part of what the problem was, is that 
and still is, but it's changing, that we're all separate, this illusion of separateness, that causes a lot of the division and the suffering. When we come from the understanding there is only one hoop of life, we're all interconnected, then it can give us pause of not only doing things that are healthy for ourselves, but understanding when we are health-giving, life-giving to ourselves, we are life-giving to others and vice versa because we're all interconnected. And this virus is one great example of something that happened for us in the U.S. halfway around the world, but has brought everyone into the understanding, wait a minute, the fires burning in the Amazon impact my oxygen. The things that are happening in China impact all of us matter. All of us are important. Mm. And in the sense of unity, I know this is one of the gifts that you speak about in your book, this power of unity. And for those who might not know, this is actually one of the core values of Mind Valley as well, this power of unity. It seems like right now we just overcome what is kind of like a shared burden that we all went through. And I think it was in an organization such as Google. And I feel like I might not be quoting this correctly, but I'm still going to take a chance at it because the essence is still going to be there. They were looking at those who have been the most effective workers in the workplace. And they talked about those who have overcome challenges, either alone or as a group, actually made them more equipped to handle a workplace environment that had multiple challenges. So I don't want to go all the way to the fact of a traumatic event, but they're still pointing towards people that had to overcome things that were more difficult, made them stronger and more capable and competent within the workplace. I'm wondering what is this going to be an effect coming out of this 2020? How many people are going back into the workplace are affected by having overcome a global shift that we all had to take responsibility for and make changes in our life and sacrifices too? Are you expecting any changes in the way that people show up at work in the process? I am. I am rooting for this thing that Indigenous people have been taught for hundreds and hundreds of years that I'm aware of from readings and oral history. This thing that got coined in the 80s, 1980s from science called post-traumatic growth. So there's lots of research up to that point about illness and things not working and stuff, whether it's mental, physical, et cetera. But then all of a sudden what happened, but what about what makes for healthy? And what they began to find is that just as you were quoting in this Google thing was that people who have been not only mild hurts, but even extreme hurts. Many of them, society tosses up, oh, they're endlessly going to have to have support. But really what happens, it's a trigger. It's a catalyst for something to shift. What we talk about is just understanding who we really are and what we are. A whole human being who's both physical, mental, and spiritual. And that when we understand our wholeness and everything that is here in the earth that's supporting us, including our plant relatives that are allowing us all to just breathe right now, we're not doing that on our own. We have help on everything that it allows us to jump. And indeed, in my own personal life, that has been my experience is that given my early childhood was nine years of childhood abuse, extreme poverty, eight of us were in a two-room house, and then the murder of my father that was race-related, 13. That's a whole lot to have to tell you and your audience. I say all that because I want you to understand this is not theoretical what they're talking about. Some would say, well, then you should have died. I've actually had third person tell me, and I've had to coach them to say, don't tell anybody that. Instead, go, wow, you have a reason to be here. You must have such a purpose. You must be so resilient. And that's what Google and others are saying. So some of these frontline people, on one hand, we also saw a lot of deaths, but we also saw a lot of resilience there because they've gone through such hardship and know that they're more than their circumstance. I'm hoping 
not only just hoping, we have the tools to remember that we are more than our circumstance. That's part of this belonging. I think depending on the degree, there are various degrees, obviously, of events that have happened in the past. And thank you for sharing some of your past, you know, more vulnerably here. But I think we have kind of this commonality that we've all had incidents that have caused pain, that have caused suffering. And it's a point of connection, you could say, that does make us feel like we have all went through things that have brought us these kinds of emotions that are not pleasant. And thus it makes us bond as we overcome them. And then we get to show up more, which kind of brings me to that workplace environment. You have done extensive work with these Fortune 500 companies. You were telling me even earlier how you've had massive impact on the way they were able to generate revenues, grow above ceilings that they have never reached before by teaching some of the methods that you preach for. And so I'd be curious to know, what exactly have you been bringing into these organizations that allowed them to have such amazing growth revenue numbers? And what are some of these things that we could translate into our own lives as well? The one we were talking about earlier, which is so powerful because we saw such growth, not only the individuals, but also in the finances. That was in a high-tech company whose product had become a commodity. And so they were looking at how can we ignite the leadership of our people all over the world. And so my firm was hired and we came in and we used positive psychology and wove in indigenous wisdom. So I wove in the four gifts of forgiveness, healing, unity, and hope in action. But it was this positive psychology as well. And what we found is that as we really anchored with people for them to look at their own life journey and what they've experienced outside by others too, that they began to see, wow, just what I mentioned, that we're not our circumstances. So what happened, we ignited the leadership and this organization went from 25 billion to 29 billion in a flat market. Now those are big numbers and some others entrepreneurs we might be dealing with a lot smaller numbers, but nonetheless, the ability to do our inner climate work has an impact on the outer climate. And that climate, whether it's the serious challenges of global warming or in terms of how to have business thrive fulfilling a real mission of benefiting the whole hoop of life. So it's basically weaving all these different wisdoms, including from very basic of how to listen to exploring your own assumptions, your worldview that helps you either connect to your team or is part of the barrier from you being able to work and collaborate in the fullest way possible. Brilliant. Now, for those who found that it was possibly a little fast going over these four gifts, I'm going to repeat them here for yes. you. We have the power to forgive the unforgivable. We have the power to heal. We have the power of unity and the power of hope, which kind of brings me to the first gift. I'd love to dive a little deeper into that. The power of forgiving the unforgivable. What is the resistance that usually happens here? And what's the potential that happens when people embrace this gift? It's huge. I was just working with an entrepreneur, he's a filmmaker, and his company, he's really a great filmmaker, he's starting to become really known. Anyway, I was working with him, and he was having difficulty hiring people and stuff, so we used one of the methods, an indigenous method, and we went in and really helped ask for the ancestors and various help, and I used some psychology that more modern day as well. Anyway, what happened is he went back to an experience when he was five years old, where his father bought him a new fishing rod and he went out to fish and he let go of it. And they didn't have a lot of money and he felt horrible. And his father yelled at him and said, you can't trust anyone. You've got to do it yourself. That event back when he's five, now in his upper 20s, had prevented him. We were able to release that energy, release that hurt 
release that pain, not forget, but release it so it doesn't have control. Within a few months, he had hired a team. He actually went on a vacation with his girlfriend and he's thriving. His business is just booming. He's being called in for all of his different expertise, especially some in sound, but he it's thriving. So I give that as an example in that when you deal with the forgiveness, it releases you. And I go into organizations where people are still hurting by the fact that they don't have gatherings that they did 10, 20 years ago, beer gatherings on Friday. It's about wanting connection. But here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're being disloyal. In fact, forgiveness can mean you still seek justice, whether it's an individual hurt or a big one. Forgiveness really is about your self-love, that I love myself to let go of that energy so that I can be present and use my energy for now and going forward, which can include seeking justice, but it's not holding us back. All emotions, both joyful and painful, are meant to move, just like a river, just like the water that is 50 to 65% of our body. It is to move. And we cause suffering for ourselves and others when we hold on. Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. This idea of holding on to things or not being able to forgive, do you feel like it's usually of a source that's mostly always from a very young kind of unforgiveness that you've been holding on when you look at someone that might be doing a lot of blame or holding a lot of grudges today. And, you know, office politics can be a place where a lot of people have micro resentments and micro conflicts here. The question I have is if you're noticing yourself being within this pattern of really holding a lot of grudges, do you typically need to go and look at early childhood or are there other sources creating it as a part of your character today? It's both and, but I would agree with you that in my work over the decades, I found that a lot's roots are from the early years in those first up to nine or 12 years old, a lot of it. But there are some folks who have experiences that aren't rooted back then. So I don't want to diminish those either. But I would say we are worthy. Each one of us is worthy of unconditional love of ourselves, And so that means the really wonderful thing is to be able to look at our whole lives and our wholeness, our healing, the forgiveness, so that way we can be in unity and hopeful action. So many organizations, I just want to say, it doesn't matter where you start on these four gifts. Wherever your heart, as you said those slowly, and thank you for doing that, wherever your heart calls, if it was forgiveness, if it's healing, if it's unity or it's hope, Start there. Companies and leaders often call me because they're about the unity and hope. And I'll, yes, let's go ahead and start there. But I will tell you, no matter how big you are, no matter how many followers you have, no matter how much success you're making, it will be even bigger if you do your healing and forgiveness. 
it opens up things. I will tell you that over and over again from leaders I've worked with in my own life and in whole organizations seeing that happen. So it's mm-hmm. exciting. You see these gifts? We all already have them. So we just need to put them into practice. And that's part of my work I do is to help people understand these are yours. Start using it. them. I love it. And when we talk about forgiveness, obviously this is something that once you start letting go and you're able to have this energy of forgiveness, it just removes you putting the brake pedal on as you're trying to press on the gas at the same time. So there's a lot of releasing that allows you to move forward in a better way. But I'll be honest, when I looked at the second gift and I read the power to heal, I almost feel like healing is forgiveness. I thought I'd use them interchangeably. So I'd love to understand the differences and what do you specifically mean about the power of healing? Yeah. When the elders put these gifts into the hoop, the eagle hoop prophecy, it was the power to forgive the unforgivable. So we're talking a lot about some deep, deep wounds. You could look at what's going on in society right now. The deep wounds resulting from slavery, resulting from genocide, all different things, patriarchy, overuse, all these kinds of things, rather than us all having equity and dignity for all of us. So when we're talking about that, those are some of the deep, deep, deep wounds. We talk about healing, it can be whole different levels from things, oh, you forgot my birthday again, and that kind of thing. Or it can be something heavier. The healing part, what I have found as I studied Indigenous people in different parts of the world, is that we have all different kinds of methods on that, um, and some woven with modern science. But there are elements that are always present that help make the healing happen. And I want to name those for the listeners here. So for healing to occur, first of all, you need to listen. The softest part of your ear is an expanding heart. Listen. A lot of times healing doesn't happen, even physically, if you're going to ignore it. Well, if the leg's broken, you need to work on that. You need to repair it, all of the things that is necessary. But that's true for your mental and emotional well-being as well and your spirit. So listen, the second thing you need is supportive relationships. And so that's what you're doing, giving to all these people who come, who are attracted and know that this is for them. And so we don't do anything our own. And if you have a hurt that makes you less trustful of human beings, go to nature. You're part of nature. There's all different sorts of sports. So listening, supportive relationships, unconditional love. Many people are like, what are you talking about? Maybe a parent to their child. Unconditional love is part of a healing, the wholeness of who we are. So begin looking at that. Am I loving myself unconditionally? What does that require? So that's the third part. And the last one is get into action. (laughs) Because people sit back and go, well, I have the right intention. It's like the GPS. It doesn't work unless you move. And so you might make some false steps, but you just keep moving and you'll get on track. It'll happen. And in that practice, as we keep practicing our forgiveness muscles, as we practice our healing muscles every day, there's something to heal, that you do that, it becomes such a strength that it's like, yeah, I'm not denying there's tough times, but I don't get stuck in it. I'm able to move. Again, what I think about is a river that's naturally flowing to the sea versus dammed up all the way. The same is true for us, and we can release that. So healing is really powerful. We get to do it every day. 
And I love that there's also an emphasis here on action. So for anybody that's listening in, you've already heard some ways that you can move forward with the healing. And again, once you go through this, it just leaves you with so much more self-love, a lot more power to continue to deliver and to show up as your full self wherever you are in your career journey as well. We've touched on the third gift already. We touched on unity. And just so I understand it correctly here, Dr. Anita, is really changing that mindset to understand that we're all connected and taking actions, that you're not in a zero-sum game. Any pain you cause to others is a pain to the self. And as we're all connected, we should all be striving on making the ecosystem better. And I think this goes beyond just human to human. We're talking about to the plants, the planet and everything else. But with a unity mindset, you seem to be looking at making decisions that go for the greater good of all, thus making you a better person. Even if you're looking at unity within your organization as a start, seeing that we're all on the same team striving for the same goals. Did I get that correctly? You got it right on. So I love interviewing with you. Exactly. And let me also say another recent poll said, this is powerful. It was about trust and it was Harvard Business Review earlier this year. What they found out polling people all over the world is that 57% of people said that they trust business leaders to solve the challenges in the world. 50% said religion and 48% said government. That's a lot. That's a huge shift to saying, wait a minute, some businesses have caused the problem, right? All of us human beings of different degrees have both helped and a disbenefit. But to say that, that's a heavy weight. And so this mindset, this understanding of a worldview that both science and indigenous wisdom keepers are totally connected on is that when we hold that view It's a whole different way. The questions you ask, it's not about any decision is better than no decision. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Pause. Is this a benefit to not only two-leggeds, but to the earth? And we go a step further. If what we're thinking or about to do, if it benefits seven generations out, then move forward. If it doesn't, stop. Pause at least. So I hear the larger population looking to our business leaders, leaders of our own life, as well as organizations, to be, not only to do, but to be in a way so that the doing reflects our unity, our connectedness. You said that beautifully. Thank you. Well, I want to expand. You make me think of something I remember reading, which was tied to indigenous protocols of governance that were actually inherited by the way they formed the constitution in America. Now, I might be butchering this because I'm Canadian, but I feel like I read this in passing, this whole concept of looking at benefits for seven generations down the road. I feel like this was something that was taken from the indigenous tribes in their way of governing. Has it translated to the U.S. politics or is it something that was omitted? I feel like there was a controversy. There was some distortion, but it was. It is the Iroquois nation, which is seven tribes, seven nations. Nothing in Europe had this. So when they came and they saw what was happening here, much of the constitution came out of that. Of course, there's some major things that were left out, like that we are human beings and shouldn't be killed, and other things that we are supposed to consider the earth and generations out to come, because we see ourselves as past, present, and future ancestors. And we fall in that, so we're more like Einstein time. Time is circular to us, it's not linear. And now we know all science is much more moved that way than Newtonian time. So nonetheless, you're absolutely right. There are so many things that we benefit from, our food, the most biodiverse lands left on the earth, over 80% of them are lands that indigenous people are on. These are not mistakes. And I feel like it's an awakening that we can 
find that belonging because ultimately we are all indigenous. And I don't mean at all to take away from my tribe or other tribes, nations who've kept the original knowledge. But what I will say is true for all of us is that we believe we are one hoop of life. So this awakening of whatever sector you're dealing in, this awakening that we belong, that we're part of this whole is essential for us to have the world that we're meant to be a part of. As we're going through these gifts, obviously, we've went through forgiveness being an important practice, our healing that needs to continue. And of course, taking this worldview of unity, I feel already this is something that points to us maybe overcoming the nihilism and looking at the fact that there is hope and light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, this brings us to our fourth gift here, which you talk about the power of hope. And I think this would be a beautiful way to end this since a lot of people would have went through very, very different types of difficulties over the last year. And as we were talking even before the call is we are seeing there's a lot of positive indicators of what's to come, not necessarily calling it the new normal. I think you quoted it as the better normal. And so I'd love to hear what are these powers of the hope and what is the hopeful vision you see in the future as we embrace these concepts around belonging as well? Well, let me just say hope is an energy source. It is something and it belongs. It's always there. You can give it away to somebody and you don't have to. You can have that hope in spite of all the facts to the contrary. And so what we have experienced in the various ceremonies is in those ceremonies, we are hearing from Mother Earth, from Spirit, that it is the time. It is time to reawaken this because before all this imbalance happened in terms of individuality, power over, there was this oneness, and we can remember that. So I have a lot of hope in that, and I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that the young people who are coming in, I call them elders coming in. I mean, nobody told the Dalai Lama, you're not an elder when he was young. They're coming in from all different parts of the world and showing us that this illusion of separateness, the illusion that stuff is going to make us happy, this illusion of driving what success means. And I see it all the different generations that's happening. So I'm very much filled with hope. And that is not all to take away of all the challenges and things that are happening. But what it's saying is we can meet those challenges by being hopeful, by dreaming. And that's my thing is oftentimes I'm going in and I'm helping people learn how to dream, dream in the deepest way possible. So not only the REM sleep, but how to intentionally dream and to have that come through so that you wake up with answers, that you daydream and it opens up and inspires you to be able to be that good medicine, that life-giving force. That's absolutely beautiful, Dr. Anita. Thank you so much for walking us through this. I think for me, it becomes so clear when you embody this and you go into the workplace, you get to show up so much more whole. You get to be able to connect with your colleagues so much more. You get to focus on the bigger issues that really move the needle because you've actually taken the time to work on nurturing your own gifts within yourself and really making you show up in a powerful way. This was a brilliant, brilliant conversation. So thank you so much for your time and for everybody tuning in. Make sure that when you are, regardless, working from home or going back into the workplace, I think we've just covered some very powerful gifts that you should look to nurture within yourself. Even if you might feel that these are not directly correlated to skills you're developing in the workplace, what I'm saying is that when you embody these, as Dr. Anita was sharing, you can see that it's going to move the needle on the corporation because you get to show up as your full self. If we only show up with 50% of our energy, we're not going to bring the output that we need. But if you want to find yourself inspired, empowered, ready, fulfilled, 
doing the right work that needs to be done to make our world a better place, then these are the gifts you should be definitely looking into and the practices you should embody as well. Once again, Dr. Anita Sanchez, thank you so much for your time and for everybody tuning in. Go out there and nurture this sense of belonging and definitely embrace these sacred gifts into your life as well. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Valley membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.